out of the mouth of babes. I'm always amazed that the children's message should be the message that carries the day. Friendship, the church, the love of God, the scriptures, what more is there to, what more is there to say? Well, we turn now to the reading of 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. I'm going to read this small section, 14 verses of scripture to you. This is, our, this is the New Testament reading in what is called the lectionary, which is the common source that we share and that we're going through right now. As a church community, we're following the lectionary, just like churches all around the nation today. And we're also, we're also doing a couple more things as we message, as we teach, and as we preach. One of those things is we're, we're going through 1 John specifically, because that is the epistle with which the lectionary is making use right now over the course of about five weeks, 1 John. It's about five chapters at the end of the New Testament. That's the epistle we're in. And secondly, secondly, we're in a series that's kind of coming out of 1 John, but that's also coming out of a conversation that this church has been having for about nine months now, maybe even, maybe even ten, which is... What is the goal of the spiritual life? The spiritual, what is the spiritual goal? It's a really important question here at this church. And the answer, what we've kind of formulated, is the spiritual goal is this. It's to know Christ so intimately that we become like him. And so really everything we're talking about, and when we look at 1 John, we're looking at it with that question in mind. What is the goal of the spiritual life? And we're looking at it with the intention of trying to identify how that resonates with us through the message of Scripture. So will you read 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 21 with me? Hear the word of the Lord. Beloved, let us love one another. Because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and they abide in God. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as Jesus is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears 
has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God, and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must also love their brothers and sisters also. This is the word of the Lord. All right, so the Queen song, Crazy Little Thing Called Love, was written by what people say it was written in five to ten minutes. Five to ten minutes by one Freddie Mercury who only knew, like, three or four chords on guitar back in 1979 while he was in a bubble bath. Five to ten minutes, that's fast. And yet the song, Crazy Little Thing Called Love, topped the Hot 100 Billboard charts in 1980 in the United States for four consecutive weeks. Four weeks, that's a long time. That's like, that's like four minutes today. Four consecutive weeks, number, thank you, number one on the Billboard charts, and cemented the popularity of Queen in the, Mary, in the American conscious. Now, if you know the song, you know that it's fast. It's only about three minutes long, and it's got this rockabilly blues type feel that is bound to make you groove, bound to make you groove. So last time I spoke to you, I really, one of my goals was really that you would leave and eat sushi. I don't know if you remember that. Today, one of my goals is that you leave and listen to Queen. I don't know, I don't know if that's what you want to get out of church, but that's kind of one of the things that I'm after. And let me tell you something about Freddie Mercury and Crazy Little Thing Called Love is this. It's that... Freddie Mercury described, there's a lot of songs. There's a lot of songs out there that talk about love, obviously. Love is one of those conversations in our culture that's going on, especially in music, all the time. And I'm sure that when, now I'm not sure, but I'm convinced that when Freddie Mercury wrote the song, he was probably talking about a romantic kind of love. But as I dialed into these lyrics in Crazy Little Thing Called Love, one of the things I noticed is it really speaks to love in all its variety. For example, there were two metaphors that really popped for me in the song when I was listening to it. One was the fact that Freddie Mercury compares love to a jellyfish. A jellyfish. And the other was that Freddie Mercury compares love to a crying baby through the night. So the way, the way Mercury talks about love is this elusive, relentless vibe that's going in, a, in around us and among us. That, that's what love is for Freddie Mercury. And that was interesting. As I began to read 1 John with that song in mind and juxtapose the lyrics of that song with what we just read in 1 John, I noticed some things that started gaining traction for me. Because here's the thing, if you know anything about 1 John, is it really reads like a song. It's like a song in a lot of ways. Now, if you're used to reading the epistles and the Bible, and you're reading, say, the Apostle Paul, who wrote the majority of the letters in the New Testament, then you're used to Paul's really dense and clipped, 
almost like building a case. I mean, the Apostle Paul, for example, in Romans, had 16 chapters of him building a case in a literary form where he's kind of doing a question and answer. I mean, he's building a case. And John, or the Apostle John, or whomever wrote 1 John, he doesn't write like that. His letter, his letter reads like a song. He's only got three or four chords that he's playing. And those chords, Ian has mentioned too. God is love, God is light, God is life. And John is going to play that again and again. That's his chorus. And everything John says in that letter is related to those three themes. God is love, God is light, God is life. And it's as if, it's as if, as John is progressing through this letter, he is building an ever greater crescendo as he hits those chords. When you read the letter like that, when you, when you kind of slow down in it, it's amazing kind of what it raises for you and within you, this letter of 1 John. So today what I want to do is kind of, is kind of look at the letter of the 1 John and the song Crazy Little Thing Called Love. Because... In our little section that we just read, the word agape, which is the Greek word for love, appears 28 times in 14 verses. 28 times. That's a lot of times. Not only that, but agape, because it's one of the major themes in John's letter, you might say that agape is the theme. That's the chord he is hitting right here. Right here in this little section of scripture we're reading. So let's say... John were to meet Freddie Mercury and they were to do a collaborative project, right? What might the first verse of crazy little thing called love sound like if that were to happen? It's a real question. And I'm going to sing it. You ready? (laughs) I'm not ready. He he sounds like Elvis, so this is going to be, all right. He says, this thing called love is from God and it changes us it makes it makes us love like God it rearranges us so get ready crazy little thing called love yeah Yeah. I debated for a long time about whether or not to do that All right, but here's the reality. Okay, that's the song. Here's the reality. And even if you get into, and even if it makes you groove, that's great. But here's the reality, is that when we show up at church, and our, I mean, if you've been in church, if you've experienced the life of the church in any way, shape, or form, you know, you know that God is love is not a new message. And if it is a new message, and you have been going to church for a long time, it's time to start asking questions about what your church believes. No, really. <laughs> like, if, that, if you haven't heard that, if that isn't central to what the Christian message is about, God is love, and we know that because of Christ. Ask questions. What is my church belief? At the same time, we also know, at least I do, and I'm sure you do, that sometimes our experience in the life of the church, our actual relationships with the people in the life of the church, do not necessarily reflect this message. And that disconnect is actually pretty serious in 1 John. Because 1 John is writing to this church that is schismatic. A whole, a whole group of the church has broken off and said, Jesus Christ, he's great, but he's not God. And if he is God, he's certainly not human. That can't coexist. And so that group has broken off. And John is saying, what we need to do now as a community 
is love. That's what we need to do. We need to love one another. And that's, that's one of the issues at stake in 1 John. So, so it's not only a big deal for him, it's a big deal for us. Because when we say God is love, if and when we say that, and if it doesn't permeate our real relationships concretely in the life of the church, then really all that is is a theological concept, right? It's great fodder to talk about. But in terms of what it communicates to the world and to us, I mean, to say God is love and not to live it out in the real, strained, messy relationships of our church is to say nothing at all. It's the opposite of a crazy little thing. It's a big, tame, empty. And I want to take a word or take some advice from who else? Freddie Mercury. Because Freddie Mercury, there's this part in Crazy Little Thing called Love where he kind of steps back and, and, and the, uh, the music drops and you just hear the beat. And he says, I got to be cool, relax, get hip, and get on my tracks, take a back seat, hitchhike, and take a long ride on my motorbike until I'm ready, until I'm ready. Crazy Little Thing called Love. And I love that because it's as if Freddie Mercury is prepping himself for an encounter with love. It's as if. It's like he's doing a little self-coaching. i got to step back and relax. got to breathe here. got to take a long ride on my motorbike. And I wonder if Christians might, especially in the contemporary West, where our culture is just so full of noise and distraction, if that's not some good advice for talking about how to encounter love, especially when we're talking about divine love. Because so often, and, I, and I, this is not just a reality, this is my, my reality, this is a confession. Man, when I read 1 John, because it's not logical, or doesn't seem logical in the sense of how it flows, because it's not an argument, it's more of a song, I just blow through it. And I walk away with all the same predispositions toward other people that I've had before. And I think that if we really sat, if we really absorbed, if we really abided in a text like this, if we let it get in our heads, it might do something in us that only that still, take a step back, breathe, meditate, ruminate, marinate kind of stuff can do. In other words, what I'm saying is this. If we were to take Freddie Mercury's advice and kind of step back and really absorb the message in 1 John, only then might it have the capacity to change us. Because when 1 John, when John talks about love, he talks about it experientially. He talks about it experientially. He says things like this in verse 7. He says, everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Or he says it like this. He says, those who abide in love, abide in love, abide in God, and God in them. That's experiential language, being born of, abiding in. That's not just a Sunday thing, that's an everyday thing. And John, in this amazing little 14 verses that we read, John identifies three encounters with God's love. He says, look, this is love. This is God's love. He's not just saying a general thing like, you know, God is love, God is love, la-da-da-da, let's, let's go and love each other. He's actually identifying the ways in which we encounter God's love. And he says three things. 
In fact, the passage is divided really in, in three parts. In the first part, he says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So the first thing John does to prep us for an encounter with love is point us to the past and point us to the cross. This is love. This is love. It's the experience of grace. Right? It's the experience of knowing that the cross of Christ is not just this thing in history, but it's for you today. It's for you now. No, long, no matter if you've been a Christian for 10, 20, 50 years, the cross is for you. And that speaks forgiveness, and that is love. That is divine love. So he takes us to the past. And the second thing he does when, he, when he's trying to explain, here's an encounter with God's love, is he points to the present. He says, this is love. God has given us his spirit. Those who confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God abide in God and they in, 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 in God in them. So this idea that experientially God has poured his love into us through the Spirit of God, through the Spirit, in the present. That that is an experience that we don't stand, I don't stand up here and say Jesus is the Son of God apart from the Spirit of God. And you don't, you don't you don't think that. You don't say that. You don't, you don't allow that to permeate your head and heart unless it's by the Spirit of God. That's the generous Spirit of God inviting you into a relationship with Jesus. That's the second encounter with, with God's love. Past the cross, present the Spirit. And then John points us to the future. And this is amazing because it's not just theological, it's psychological. God says... Your anxiety about the future, like we will stand before God in full confidence. In the actual word there is boldness. That we stand before God not as timid and meek creatures worried that God is going to zap us because of all the wrongs that have piled up in our lives. No, 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 no. That's not the gospel. That's not the love of God. We stand before God in confidence. Why? Because of what Christ has done, because of God's generous spirit, we stand before God in confidence, knowing that we are loved, knowing that we are loved. So John, three encounters with God's love, past, present, and future. Back in 1980, Freddie Mercury gave us this metaphor of a baby crying through the night. Relentless relentless. Do you know a baby crying through the night? You do. <laughs> you do. That's fresh. I do. <laughs> About six, six, to, six to eight months ago, my baby was crying through the night. And John's point here, as we juxtapose crazy little thing called love and John's point in 1 John 4, John's point here is really distinct, right? Because that, that baby crying through the night, that's relentless. That's relentless. And it's going to keep us up. We have to address it. And one of the things that the church absolutely has to address is the question, how well, how well do we love one another? That's a really important question for the life of the church. How well do we love one another? Because in, in 1 John, he's saying that, you know, back up. <laughs> if you want to talk about loving our neighbor, that's in the Bible. If you want to talk about loving our enemy, that's in the Bible. If you want to talk about loving justice and loving those who are different than us and loving those who are less privileged than us, that's in the Bible. 
That's all over the Bible. That conversation is really important in the Bible, but it's not in 1 John 4, 7 through 21. It's not there. That's not what he's talking about here when he says God is love. He's saying that love has perfected us in us in this, that we might love one another. He's talking about the life of the church. And he is saying, this is, this is amazing to me. So excuse me if I get on a soapbox, right? But he's saying that no one has seen God. No one has seen God. But God is manifest in the world through this, that we love one another. That's how the world knows God exists. That's how our confession that Jesus is the Son of God avoids becoming a big, tame nothing. It's that we love one another. That's how it works. That's how God has built into the DNA of his salvation plan, the redemption of the entire world, that we might love one another. And that that points to who Jesus is and, and to what Jesus has done. That is what First John is saying about love. God's love is this, that we might love one another. And that is really difficult to handle if you have had a relationship with another Christian, <laughs> like I have, that are difficult. I mean, when, you talk about, when you're talking about things that are of ultimate stake, when you're talking about your soul, when you're talking about the spiritual life, when you engage with other Christians around mission and around service and around theology and around Bible study and about, around community, man, some stuff gets lifted out of that experience. It has for me. When you start talking to other Christians about how to raise kids and what it means to engage culture and what it means to, to be people who are free, have freedom from sin and what it means to confront behavior that is sinful, and what it means to be the kind of person who reflects Christ in the family. I don't know if you've had those conversations with other Christians, but those can get messy. Those can get, like Freddie Mercury, those can get, like, it's like handling a jellyfish. Like, you are bound to get stung. You are bound to get stung. And that kind of conversation can keep you up at night like a crying baby. Right? It is relentless. Have you ever had an encounter with another person in the faith where that conversation has reeled in your head for days and weeks and it's the thing you think about before you go to sleep and when you wake up in the morning because the emotional weight of that conversation is so heavy? Have you had that experience? I have. I know what that's like. And John says that is precisely the place where God's love does the best work in us. At that moment that we are stung, that we are up at night, that's where God's love does its work. Love is perfected in us. Love is perfected in us through our relationships with one another when it hurts, when it's painful, and when it's hard. That's where God's bold, forgiving, and generous love actually like hits the road, like gains traction. And that's how God's love gets manifest in the world. The way we deal with that is precisely, precisely our witness to the world, how we love one another. Those things are tied together. I don't know about you, but that is crazy. That is crazy that that's the way God has designed and built into the DNA of the church, that our love for one another would be the thing that would hold it together in Christ. 
Granted, it's not us, it's the Holy Spirit. It's not us, it's the grace and love of God that we encounter and that we live in and through. But ultimately, the proof in the pudding, the proof in the pudding that God is love is the way you and I treat one another, is the way you and I journey through life with one another. That is the proof in the pudding. That is the love of God in the world. And that's a crazy little thing called love. Let's pray. God in Christ, we thank you for your generous generosity and goodness toward us. We thank you that you encounter us in the cross and with the Spirit and in the future with confident assurance by grace through love. Now, God, help us to be extension of, extensions of love in our community, in our homes, and even to ourselves. In Christ's name, amen.